0: We got to out-block them, we got to out-tackle them, we got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.
1: Welcome in. It is the Dream Preview College Football Edition, week six. Week six of college football already uh, coming up on us. I am AJ Hoffman. With me, as always, Scott Seidenberg. Scott, how are you? Hello. Uh, we had a good week. We needed a good week. We got a good week in the contest, six and two in the contest. Unfortunately, like we would have been seven and one had we been able to play all our plays from the pod. The pod did better than the contest. Yeah. Uh, the changes that we had to make, like we had our best
0: bet on the pod last week was Wake Forest. And it, for some reason, an ACC school playing a conference game, yeah, is White. not on the contest. Wake
1: Forest, Florida State, not on the sheet. I, I'm guessing it was hurricane it was related, clearly but clearly weather
0: related. They they just wanted to protect themselves.
1: But uh, that's all right. If you listen to the pod, it means you got a winner, uh, and we ended up going six and two in the contest. So we are now four games over five hundred in the contest. Mm-hmm. So hopefully a couple more six and twos let's splash in an eight and no, and we're right back in the thick of things absolutely so uh let's figure out where we're going this week i forget who went first last week i don't i don't know i'll go first this week yeah
0: why don't you take the honors
1: i'll take the honors go right ahead and i'm gonna start with north carolina plus four at miami raise up uh and before we start, I'm just going to say out loud that I am fully aware North Carolina's defense stinks, <laughs> and when you bet North Carolina, you have to accept that going into the game. I now accept Good, that North admitting Carolina's. admitting the problem yeah, is the first step. It's bad, but one of my biggest takeaways from this season so far is that Miami's defense stinks too, and I'm, I've drastically downgraded Miami since the season started. I was actually I was higher than the market on Miami. I was wrong and uh they here's what we saw in this middle Tennessee state game this in the story was that Tyler Van Dyke got benched mm-hmm. it was like oh huh. that wasn't the real story which by the way Tyler Van Dyke's going to start in this game so it wasn't as big of a story as they made it out to be what I saw in that game was the vertical passing game of middle Tennessee Miami had no answers for mm. and Miami so far had played Southern Miss. They played Texas A and M. They played Bethune Cookman. Teams that can't throw the ball down the field. Southern Miss and Texas A and M both ranked well outside the top 100 in passing. These are bad passing offenses. In comes Middle Tennessee. Ooh, we've just exposed something here.
0: 98, 98- which, which is crazy because you know <laughs> you and I were both against Middle Tennessee last week, yeah. on UTSA.
1: A 98-yard touchdown pass. 71-yard touchdown pass. 69-yard touchdown pass, (laughs) and just for fun, an 89-yard pass that took him down to the five before Chase Cunningham ran ran it in himself. So now you're asking Miami to stop this North Carolina offense that's been putting up big numbers all year. Even on their worst day, they put up 32 points against a a pretty stout Notre Dame defense. They're averaging over 45 points a game. Nothing about this Miami defense says they're going to slow them down. North Carolina... They're top 10 nationally in passing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, A&M, Southern Miss, these teams that they've played well outside the top 100. This is just a bad stylistic matchup. I love getting points here. So North Carolina plus four will be my first
0: play. As far as the look-ahead line of this when the South Point released their Game of the Year lines, it was Miami minus nine, yeah, and that was back on June third, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of anti-Miami sentiment. It, uh, listen, you lose to Middle Tennessee State, that happens. Yeah, makes so sense. It does make sense. Where are you going for your
0: first play? I'm gonna go with the Tulsa Golden Hurricane as uh, they take on Navy in Annapolis. Tulsa is laying six, and this is all about the Tulsa offense against the Navy defense is putting up 462.6 yards of offense per game this season. They averaged 35.4 points per game, and the passing game is the biggest reason why. 336.6 yards per game. Now they get to go up against a Navy defense that is 101st in the nation in passing defense. They allow 256.8 yards per game. 9.42 yards per attempt. Top five worst in the country. Tulsa did... They have struggled against the run. I will say that. Navy's going to need to score touchdowns on every possession because Tulsa will do exactly that. And Navy just doesn't have the offense to score a touchdown on every possession. So... I just don't see how they keep up in a back-and-forth affair, especially when you consider Navy is coming off of a game at Air Force last week, playing at elevation, and then traveling back across country. I think we see some fatigue here from the midshipmen, especially when you have these cornerbacks and safeties that are going to have to be chasing these wide receivers around all day because all Coles is going to do is play with pace and throw the football. It's not going to be a slow-running attack. It's going to be snap the football and the shotgun, pass it. Up to the line of scrimmage, shotgun, pass again. And I don't know if Navy's going to be able to keep up with them. Plus, everyone wants to talk about, oh, well, the novelty of the Navy offense. That might be something the teams struggle with. Tulsa's played Navy every year since 2015. And Phil Montgomery, the Tulsa head coach, has been there for every single one of these games. So preparing for Navy is nothing new for Phil Montgomery and Tulsa. I think Tulsa rolls here because Navy will not be able to stop them defensively.
1: Yeah, my first of all, I'll say this and as an Army guy. I, I don't like to give the Navy and Air Force guys too much credit, but I never, ever worry about conditioning with these service academy schools like they're better con- like
0: sure th- these sure, guys sure like, these guys
1: aren't going to be fatigued they they won't be but and and obviously Tulsa not being able to stop the run that is a scary thing and normally when you play a service academy the first thing you do is say can you stop the run no wow oh, you're in trouble uh the the thing that concerns me is you you mentioned Montgomery's been here this whole time. Navy's dominated this series.
0: Sure. Like, Navy has—they've won— But this is not the same Navy team that we've seen over the past several years. Yeah, this I, I agree be, with that. This might be the worst incarnation of Navy that we've seen in several years. They just don't have the players this year. This is a—I'm I'm not crazy about this. Mem- I just watched that Memphis game because I had Memphis in that game against Navy, mm-hmm. and I watched Seth Hennigan throw all over— that defense, and and I think that Tulsa is going to be able to do exactly the same thing. And I
1: may be biased because Navy made me some money last week. Uh, against Yes, they Air did. Force. Against Air so Force, that, yes. that was helpful. All right, my next play, I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils as three point favorites at Georgia Tech, and I think we are. You
0: staying in the ACC?
1: Selling high on the old yellow jackets who pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the year last week against Pitt. And I think this number is an overreaction to that game. Uh, Georgia tech won that turnover battle three to nothing slowest pass for 300 yards, but Pitt just couldn't stop the running game and Duke ranks 25th nationally against a run. They're going to force Georgia tech to be two dimensional, which they just haven't been able to do this season. So before Saturday tech had been non-competitive, against every other FBS team they played. And while Duke hasn't played a murderer's row in their first month, they've got wins over Temple, Northwestern, and Virginia. And the latter two, I've got power rated higher than Georgia Tech. Mm. So I I think this is just a a massive overreaction to what Georgia Tech did in one game. They've looked terrible in every other outing this year. So Duke minus three – at a bad, a still bad
0: Georgia Tech team. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. There's just there's a mismatch here because Georgia Tech is not on the same level as Duke right now. No, they're, they're a bad football team, and Duke's only lost to Kansas. Yeah. Uh, at Kansas, and they were competitive in that Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Uh, I have an ACC game, but I think I want to save that one. Okay, because it's one that you're not going to agree with, and you might call me crazy for. But okay. I'll save it to the end. Okay, where are you going then? You want me to go to the Big Ten or the SEC?
1: Let's go to the Big Ten because I. Your Big Ten play, it's, uh, this is, I, don't wanna, I ended up leaving this game off the card because mm-hmm. I was going to take the other side. And then I was like, oh, I just don't, don't want to put myself through
0: it, even right. though it says it should be the right side. I'm, you know, going, I'm going back to the well, a team that I took as a seven-point dog last week and even sprinkled a little bit on the money line. They did win outright for me. The fight in Illinois, Illinois laying three and a half against Iowa. Why? Iowa can't score. Iowa has scored seven offensive touchdowns in their first five games. No, no, no. Is that good? Not seven per game. Like seven touchdowns total in five games. Alabama, I think, scores seven touchdowns and a half. Usually. Seven touchdowns in five games. That is the third lowest mark in college football. They have the second fewest yards per game. In the entire nation, out of 130 FBS schools, they have the third-fewest touchdowns. They have the second-fewest yards per game. Who do they play this weekend? The best defense in the country. Illinois has only allowed three opponent touchdowns. That's the fewest in college football. They have allowed the third-fewest yards per game at 229 I just don't see how Iowa scores a touchdown in this game. And I get it. It's not going to be easy for Illinois. Iowa's got a top-ten defense as well. The difference is I trust the Illinois offense way more than I trust the Iowa offense. Why? Chase Brown, the running back, leads the nation in running. Tommy DeVito is not making any mistakes, just two interceptions in his first five games. And Illinois is holding on to the football top seven in the country in time of possession. They will wear down this Iowa defense. They will find the end zone when Iowa won't. I'm not saying it's going to be high scoring. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty. But the difference in this game will be that Illinois gets in the end zone and Iowa doesn't. My take on this
1: game, and by the way, this is these guys play every year. They're in the same division. Uh, since the year 2000, Illinois has won this game once. I am terrified of laying points in a game that I think could be like a a, a, a seven to six game. Like this could <laughs> this could be or in Iowa, you, you said you mentioned they scored this seven gonna, offensive touches. This is gonna be a 10-6 game. Their defense has scored multiple times this <laughs> year. And I, I
0: don't I I hate this Iowa team. It's brutal to watch. I get the but I get the home team in prime time. It's just, I feel like the crowd will be involved. Memorial Stadium there in Champaign, a sea of orange. The, is the home crowd in Illinois really that great? It's, it's, it's October. <laughs> I mean, <you> know, nice. <laughs> okay. It's still
1: cool there. It's not, all right, it's not all like right. it's going to be freezing. All right. Uh, yeah, this, this is a game that I ended up just scratching off because I wanted to take Iowa plus Oh, don't watch this
0: game. By the way, don't watch it. Because it's going to
1: be really ugly, and I say I think whoever you're cheering for here, you're going to be sweaty. Like it's this is a, I I, I do think this is a, a three or four point game. There's just not a lot of wiggle room here. And if I, in those kind of games, I typically want to be on the dog. Uh, but here's what's going to happen. I think you, and this is a case where I think you like a team better than here's than
0: I do. Here's what's going to happen because I've seen this game already. Illinois scores in their first possession. It's seven nothing. You're going to turn the game off. You're going to turn it back on with four minutes to go in the third quarter. It's still going to be 7-0. <laughs> and then I was going to get a field goal. It's going to be 7-3. And you're going to be like, oh, no, this is a sweat. But guess what? 7-3 is a four-point lead. Yeah. And the spread's three And, a half. and you're still covering. And then when, I, when Illinois scores their second touchdown of the game and goes up 14-3 in the fourth quarter, it's over. That's it. Until Iowa scores and goes for two, and then they cover because it's going to be fourteen eleven final. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and Iowa did a
1: a pretty good job last week against Michigan. Uh, they they held them in check as long as they could. They held it was thirteen nothing at halftime. They score a couple late touchdowns, one in the one early fourth and one late fourth. It put up fourteen points against Michigan. Um, so kudos to them for that. But they didn't cover. So. Uh, I think you and I, basically our, our biggest difference is you like Illinois a lot more than I do. I, I mean, Illinois, it's a nice story what they've done. Uh, none of their wins jump off the page at me, and I still can't get the fact that they lost to Indiana out of my mind. That, that's just such a dreadful loss because yeah, that's a I know. really bad team. I had team.
0: them that game. I had them that game. That's their only loss. They should be 5-0 and right now. In that game, if people want a refresher, and I'll just remind everyone because it pains me, so I'll just go through it again because talking it out is how we get through our emotions and our feelings. Illinois holds Indiana to 70 yards of offense the entire second half. They kick the football off with a minute left in the game. Touchback. They allow Indiana to go 75 yards in less than a minute to score the go-ahead touchdown. Yeah.
1: I, so that's. I think I've got PTSD from that. But all right. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten for my next play. And I'm going to lay a big favorite here. And Ohio State laying 26-and-a-half on the road at Michigan State. And this is more about Michigan State than anything. I didn't buy into the Michigan State love in the preseason. And so far, like, as much as I said earlier, I was wrong on Miami. Uh, I, I was right on Michigan State. Michigan State stinks. And they've let pedestrian Big Ten offenses put up big numbers on them. They lost by over 20 points per game to Minnesota and Maryland. Middle-of-the-road offenses in the Big Ten. Now they get an Ohio State team that has been on an absolute mission since week one when Notre Dame gave them a scare. Yeah, They've won their four games since then by 40 points per game. And as if it couldn't get worse for Michigan State, well, Travion Henderson's going to be back this week. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Day said Tuesday Jackson Smith and Jigba's on track to play. So now this this offense has just been running roughshod over everybody. Now they're getting healthy. Now they're getting their best playmakers mm-hmm. back. Uh, and add on top of that – Ohio State is owned Michigan State. The Buckeyes have they've got a buy on deck. I could see them running this game up. Ohio State, the last five matchups, five and zero straight up and ATS. They won those games by over thirty five points per game. And just given how explosive this offense has been without those playmakers, I think this one gets ugly. Ohio State minus twenty six and a
0: half. My how the mighty have fallen for Michigan State. The look ahead line in the game of the year for the from the South Point on June third in this game was Ohio State minus eleven. Mel Tucker's a bad coach. I, I, I think that you would have to say that he's what's well, a bad
1: contract. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm not wild about this Michigan State team at all, and and I. You gotta you gotta be impressed with what Ohio State's doing. Um, it, th- that first first week, I was like, "Uh oh," because I said this oh, this team's as talented as anyone. And then almost lost to Notre Dame. I'm thinking, "Oh boy, was I way off base?" No, I wasn't. They they didn't play a great game. They still got to win. They are back to being what I thought they would be. He's probably on the hottest seat in the country, Mel Tucker. I don't think he is because they just paid him so much money. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think there's it, always
0: ways to get out of paying people. Yep. All right, where are we headed for your next play? Uh, we're sticking in prime time, and we're going to the SEC, where I'm banking on the Kentucky Wildcats to have a bounce-back performance after losing a winnable game in Oxford last week. Covered, though. They did cover. Yes, Good they job, did. Cats. Uh, they returned home to face a South Carolina team that was blown out by Georgia and lost by two touchdowns to Arkansas. Uh, This Kentucky offense is going to do similar things. Will Levis is having a great season, 1,400 yards, 12 scores. But more importantly to this offense, we talked about this last week when we took Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez rejoined the team, made his season debut. He rushed for 72 yards and a score. He's going to get the rock more here in this game. South Carolina is allowing 185 rushing yards per game last week. They allowed 145 rushing yards to South Carolina State. Kentucky's going to have no problem moving the football. Defensively, Kentucky is going to take the ball away. Spencer Rattler is a turnover machine. He has thrown seven interceptions this season. And if he can't protect the football, this game's going to get real ugly. I see no reason why Kentucky at home here... Bouncing back after the loss doesn't win this one by double digits. I don't. I don't hate this pick. Um, I will say
1: I watched Kentucky a full game of them last week for the first time this season. And this is probably a very unpopular opinion. I don't see what's so great about Will Levis.
0: Well, take uh, I mean, look—he fumbled twice, and those were big moments. But he still had a tremendous year.
1: Yeah, I mean the numbers are there, but like everybody talking about him being like the number one pick in the draft, I maybe I'm. I, I mean, I'm clearly not an NFL scout, mm-hmm. but I just I don't understand it. I don't understand the love for this kid. I he did enough last week to get into yeah. the window, which is all that mattered to me. But I, it was I, his lowest passing output of the season last week. It, that was frustrating. I do think South Carolina is absolutely dreadful, though. Yeah, and I do think Ole Miss. Is the best defense they've seen so far. Ole Miss, de- Ole Miss defensively Absolutely. is incredible, uh, which I'll get to in the total section of today's show. So I, I,
0: I back this one. What's also important here is that you know the 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 loss does hurt, but it was a crossover game, right? So Kentucky four and one in the SEC in the SEC East. If they somehow pull off an upset against Georgia, a game that they will play at home at the end of the year, Kentucky still controls their own path to the SEC championship game. I think that's important to note. They still control their own path to possibly represent the SEC East in the championship game. I don't think they will, but in their minds, they feel like they are in control.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, I'm going to go with my last play. I'm going to go to the Pac 12. Okay. And I'm going to go with the Utah Utes minus four at unbeaten UCLA. And here's why I think UCLA is coming in a little overvalued after that win over Washington last week. I would agree. Week. It's a nice win, don't get me wrong, but Washington's still a work in progress on the defensive side of the ball. And UCLA's faced one opponent that ranks in the top half nationally Mm -hmm. in scoring defense. That was South Alabama, a game that UCLA won at home by one point on a field goal as time expired. Now enter Utah, whose defense has been absolutely dominant since that Florida game. And I downgraded them off that game. I, I was certainly disappointed with what I saw out of them. And they they hadn't played a lot up until last week. Played a lot of uh, quality opponents Mm -hmm. after that Florida game, but then they they played this Oregon State team that pushed USC to the brink, and they pulled the Oregon State's pants down. Yeah, molly whopped them. It was just a crushing. And let's get to the coaching edge here. Kyle Whittingham absolutely has owned Chip Kelly since the uh, since Chip Kelly came back to the to the Pac-12. These teams have matched up three times. The Utes, 3-0, and the average score of those three games is 45-12. to <laughs> And this is probably the most talented team that Kyle Whittingham's had. Uh, I think that Utah puts the clamps uh, on this offense, and they've got more ways to win. They, I, I think that they've got a, a better passing game. Cam Rising, who's, who's kind of flown under the radar now, since they lost that opener to Florida. Nobody's talking about them anymore, but the defense here is just massive to me. The Utes probably aren't going to be what we thought they were in the preseason, but they're still much better than what the current projections are, so I like Utah minus four here on the road.
0: I like this one a lot. In fact, uh, I think we should co-sign this as the best bet. Okay, it's my favorite play of the week, too. I I really do like this a lot. Um, It's easy to get fans to fill up the Rose Bowl for uh, a game that's on national television and in primetime Time spot, 1230 Pacific time on Saturday. I don't think we're going to get a nice crowd at the Rose Bowl. No. so no, I don't, We haven't seen a nice crowd at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Th- it was a decent crowd last week. Since January. To my surprise, it was a decent crowd <laughs> last week. Uh, and also Utah uh, did pretty well when they played uh, yep. in that stadium last year. So, yeah, I like this. Let's co-sign this, make this our best bet. All right, my final play, I'm taking a big dog. And it's Saturday night, primetime, ABC. It's the big Saturday night game. I'm going with Boston College plus 20 and a half against Clemson. I like this. I'm I'm not opposed to this at all. It's the annual red bandana game. This is a very special game every year for Boston College. They will wear special uniforms with the red bandana numbers. For those who don't know, the red bandana game is a special game uh, at BC where they honor the life and legacy of BC alum Wells Crother, who lost his life rescuing people from the World Trade Center on 9-11. He was known as the man in the red bandana. There was a a documentary made about him because uh, there was the, the visual of him holding the red bandana over his face to cover up and not breathe in the smoke and you saw this guy, he saved like 13, 15, I don't know what the exact number is but he saved a bunch of people's lives going in and out and and, and was a hero and so every year they honor him by playing this red bandana game it means a lot to this team it means a lot to this fan base so right away emotional edge to Boston College Primetime, nationally televised on Saturday night. That crowd is going to be electric. And although Clemson owns BC, yes, they do. I'm not going to deny that. They won 11 straight games over BC. The last two years, those games were decided by six points each. And what do both of those games have in common? DJ Uyunglele. (laughs) DJ, 13 of 28 last year, 207 yards, no touchdowns. 2020, he was much better. Threw for 342 yards, two scores. But clearly, there was an adjustment made from the first time that Jeff Halfley saw this guy to the second meeting last year against him. He knows what it's going to take to slow down this Clemson offense because they did it last year. Meanwhile, Phil Dracovic, chomping at the bit to have another crack at Clemson. He almost pulled off the upset in 2020, did not play last year because of injury. So he's ready to get another crack at Clemson. Him and Zay Flowers, who's a, a, just an elite playmaker on the outside, should find success against a Clemson secondary that's allowing 262.6 yards per game. I also think that the Boston College running game is going to be able to find some holes because Clemson, for the second straight game, is going to be without their star defensive tackle, Brian Brisey, which is going to open things up Up front, do I think Boston College wins this game? No. Do I think they cover three touchdowns? Yes. Ultimately, I see this one playing out as a close game in the first half where, you know, people might say, oh, upset brewing in Chestnut Hill. And then does Clemson pull away in the second half? Yeah, probably. But when it's a three-score spread, backdoor is always open you know if this if this is a 28 point lead for for clemson in the fourth quarter could be a touchdown scored by Boston college they could wind up losing this game by 20 they'll ne- they're never going to be out of it 20 and a half is a lot to give this home dog in this emotional spot on saturday night i'm with
1: you on this one i i listen anytime i get to to fade clemson as a massive favorite against a team with a pulse uh, I, I'm up to do it. So I, I like this play. I mean, hell, our favorite bet last week was Wake Forest. Probably, Wake probably should have won that game outright. Um, and Boston College, they I mean, that went over Louisville, I don't think Louisville expected what they what they got in that game. No, it was a, a really good. That was the best Boston College has looked. Yeah, Jakovic threw for
0: three hundred and four yards and three scores. Zay Flowers had one hundred and fifty one receiving yards and two scores. So, I think that that connection is going to be alive on Saturday. Yeah, this one is probably one that will be sweating,
1: but I, I I'd certainly. I'd much be re- much rather be sweating with twenty and a half points in my yeah.
0: pocket. I'm telling you, I just I see this game clearly. It I I know how it's going to play out. It's going to be a close game in the first half. It's not going to be a sweat in the first half. It will become a sweat when Clemson rolls off three unanswered scores, yeah. late in the third to the fourth quarter, and they have a twenty-three point lead, and then Boston College is going to score and lose the game by seventeen. All right, for my total this week, I'm going to go
1: with Ole Miss and Vanderbilt under 62 and a half and the Ole Miss defense is stout man they've allowed 12 points per game so far albeit with the exception of Kentucky last week cupcakes cupcake schedule i get it good news is guys vandy falls right into that cupcake category uh, this is and the other thing with this Ole Miss team is they've not been as dominant on the offensive side as they were a year ago the pace is slightly down And Jackson Dart just isn't all that good. The drop-off from Matt Corral last year to Jackson Dart is considerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, The schedule also gets decidedly tougher for Ole Miss after this game. So I'm going to assume they're going to build up a lead and get out of there. Ole Miss hasn't had a full game total go over 62.5 all season. With Vanderbilt on the other side, I see no reason why that starts now. Ole Miss-Vanderbilt under 62.5 points.
0: Okay. Okay. Under 62-and-a-half for Ole Miss Vanderbilt. All right, I am going to go with a Friday game for my total, and I just, you know what, I got to go back to the well. I got to go to teams that have been good to me. Okay. And and they used to call me Scotty American for a reason. (laughs) I love that conference. I'm going to go Memphis-Houston over 57-and-a-half. Memphis is a three-point favorite in this game. Memphis is going to score. Memphis is lighting it up. Now they 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 didn't score a lot against Temple. Temple's a really good defense, but they still scored twenty four. They, they, they've been they, <laughs> from all metrics, they've been good. Temple, uh, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, in terms of what they've been doing so far this this season, uh, ranking wise. Anyway, you have a Memphis team that is averaging four hundred yards of offense a game. A Houston team that's averaging three hundred and ninety one yards of offense per game. <laughs> you have a Memphis defense that's allowing 400 yards a game. You have a Houston defense that's allowing 408 yards a game. Uh, I just don't see any way both of these teams do not score into the 30s because both of them have high-powered offenses and both of them don't play a lick of defense. So I look at this matchup. I see a total that is, you know, short Of 60 at 57 and a half. And I think this one goes over.
1: I tend to agree. I've just had a terrible read on what Houston is all year. Oh, they can't tackle. I mean, they
0: don't play defense, but they can score. Yeah. They certainly can score. Last week was embarrassing. Losing to Tulane, right? But Tulane, a pretty good defense. right? I mean, Tulane, a pretty good defense. Houston still scored 24 points. Yeah. You know, the Kansas game was just, I mean, unbelievable letting Kansas go up and down the field and score against them. Uh, this is, a, I mean, look, 37. They've also played, by the way, what, three overtime games already? Yep. In five games? Yeah. They just go, It's every game goes to overtime. And what, when, it, when it goes into overtime, points. More points,
1: that's right. Yep, I like this one, and I like I like it's on a, on a weekday. Give us a little weekday action. Yeah, a
0: little Friday night sweat. Come on. Yeah,
1: I'm all for this. All right, so there you go. Uh, to recap, we've got Utah p- minus four, our best bet. Uh, Illinois, minus 3.5. Ohio State, minus 26.5. Tulsa, minus 6. North Carolina, plus 4. Kentucky, minus 10.5. Duke, minus 3. And Boston College, plus 20.5. Ole Miss, Vandy, under 62.5. And And Houston versus Memphis at 57.5. Is that right? Over 57.5. Over 57.5. So there you go. There's our card for this week. Of course, the likelihood that all eight of those games will be on the card we haven't had a week yet where all eight of the podcast. No, picks so up I'm certainly our, not so. counting on that. Uh, and obviously, listen, if numbers move the right right way or the wrong way, it's going to change. Yeah, see,
0: so that's important also to note. AJ is that some people, you know, have hit us up on Twitter. Which, by the way, AJ is the real at Scott's on air. People have hit us up and said, "Hey, guys, um, you talked about this game on the podcast. You loved it, but you didn't pick it in your contest. Yeah, and it's because sometimes the contest lines will differ from." The lines that we're doing while we're recording. A a great example was a couple weeks ago when
1: Tennessee played Florida. Nowhere in the market was this game 11 and a half Mm -hmm. except for the contest that we were in. So I would have had to play Tennessee at the worst number in the entire Mm -hmm. world on this contest when i could have just gone down and bet whatever i wanted at minus 10 so it didn't make any sense for us to put it on our contest sheet at 11 and a half and again we don't know what the contest sheet will look like until what thursday yeah wednesday night thursday morning yeah so we we adjust as planned but this is going into uh going into the week this is what we're looking for these are the games that we like and this is what we hope to put on our card all right, that's going to do it. Before we get out of here though, I want to tell you guys what's going on at pregame.com. where right now we got a special promotion going on and it starts today. $10 gets you 50 bulk dollars free, and free $25 new member discount. So if you 10 10 gets you 50? That's right. That's so 400% for 400% bonus. That is a 400% bonus and that means you put in $10, you can buy a, two best bet packages. Best bet package is typically twenty five bucks. You get two of them for ten dollars. And if it's your first time there, you're gonna get a free twenty five dollars for uh, for being a new member. So they're just they're helping you out at pregame.com. They want you to to go there. They want you to explore. And bulk dollars basically what it means is it it spends like cash. Uh, it, it, it can be used on any in any increment. And after purchase, your $50 bulk dollars becomes available immediately and they never expire. So uh, get two daily packages for $10 or put it towards a, a season-long package or a weekend package, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's options for you there at pregame.com. So starting today, $10 for or ten dollars gets you 50 bulk dollars at pregame.com. All right. For Scott, for McKenzie, I'm AJ. We will talk to you guys next week. Good luck this weekend.
0: Leave no doubt tonight, leave no doubt tonight, no doubt.